You're listening to a sermon podcast from Paramount Church in Columbus, Ohio. To learn more, visit ParamountColumbus.com. Well, let me invite you to turn with me in your copy of God's Word to Galatians chapter 3, verses 27 through Galatians chapter 4, verse 7. That's a little different kind of text, expanding across a break in the chapter there, but we'll see why in a moment. Galatians 3, 27 to 4, 7. If you're new to our church, maybe this is your, your first week being here, we have been walking our way together through the book of Galatians, and uh, in particular, seeing the Apostle Paul lay out for us a clear vision of the real joys of what it means to be a Christian because we have become people of a promise. Specifically, we have become people who belong to God in a covenant of promise. That God himself had met all of the conditions in order for us to receive the promise of his everlasting favor and joy and love and peace in his kingdom forevermore. And the Apostle Paul has been ministering uh, to us by, his, by the Holy Spirit these truths just as, just as they were ministered to the people of his day. And so we are considering this morning again what it means for us to be heirs of this great promise. And we want to know what this means for our daily lives. Now, as a pastor, one of the things that I care very much about is being a faithful preacher. That's not the only thing that pastors do, but it is important. But a part of that is also wanting our church to be faithful sermon listeners. Not only to be a faithful sermon giver, but for us to be faithful sermon listeners. And so this time of year is one of those where I really start looking forward because of Thanksgiving and Christmas. I look forward to these big meals that we share together in our families. You know, around holidays, we have big meals and it's a wonderful spread and there's all these different foods and there's lots of celebration. And what that time of year reminds me of in terms of preaching sermons and hearing sermons is that just as it is in our lives around those holidays, it is the same way in our, in our giving and hearing of sermons that not every sermon is a Thanksgiving sermon. Not every sermon is a big spread of food. We don't live that way throughout the year, do we? We don't live big holiday meal to big holiday meal. In fact, they are so uh, every now and then, they're seldom, they come around every now and then, but for the most part, we're nourished on meals that are maintenance meals. It's the regular uh, nourishment of our lives day in and day out. Now, some of you are thinking, oh, we're getting ready to hear a dud. I don't, I don't think that there are any dud sermons, but I do think that in order for us to be faithful listeners, we need to understand the way that the Bible works and what the Bible gives us. The Bible does not give us constant, everyday, big Thanksgiving meals. We just couldn't tolerate all of that. But rather, what the Bible does is give us big, high moments of truth and then down into maintenance, daily life truth. And that's sort of where we're coming today in this part of the book of Galatians. We've come through some really big, unique, strong truths for us of what it means to be children of the promise. And now here in this text today, we're going to see some things that might be a little familiar to us, but nevertheless, they're part of our nourishment. And we want to take them in. We want to feed upon them because we need to understand better what it means 
to be heirs of the promise in daily life. It's easy for us to think about being heirs of the promise on the spiritual Thanksgiving dinner. It's easy for us to think about what it means to belong to Christ and to to hear the gospel and have the gospel on the big Christmas lunch. But what we need is the truth for our daily lives. And that's what we're going to see a little bit of today as we, we think about some truths that might be familiar to us, but nevertheless, we need them because they help us to understand what it means day by day to live as heirs of this great promise. So we're going to notice three truths today that we can take away what it means to be daily uh, followers of Jesus as his brothers and sisters, as sons and daughters of God the Father because of his covenant promises. And the first truth is this. What would help us to live daily in Christ is to recognize what is daily true of us now because Christ has come and first It is that every single day, if you have faith in Christ, every single day, no matter how much you obey, no matter how much you struggle, you and I are clothed with Christ himself. Every day, we are clothed with Christ himself. And that's because our salvation is not dependent upon the things that we do day by day to stay on the team or to remain in the family or to be in his good graces. But instead, our presence with him, our belonging to him, our clothing of him is all by grace alone. It's all because God made a promise that he's keeping. It's not because we are promise keepers, though we want to be promise keepers. We want to be faithful followers of Christ, but ultimately we need this reminder, uh, especially on those hard days, that we are in Christ because of a promise, and it's because of that promise that we are clothed with him. That's the first truth. So let's take a look at it just by focusing in on verse 27. This is what Paul says. For those of you who were baptized into Christ have been clothed with Christ. Now, we know from Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it's one of those key fighter verses that some of us may have memorized, that the Word of God is living and active. Now, when we think about the Word of God being living and active, we often think about its, its supernatural, spiritual power that God himself infuses into his Word to give us life and to strengthen us. But there's another way in which God's Word is living and active And that's its natural power. I want to show you that this morning from verse 12 because it gets at, again, this daily routine of the Christian life that we're all growing to become better at living. I want you to see that there is natural power in the Word of God that's living and active because the Bible doesn't only try to take us into the supernatural. The Bible takes us into the very natural moments of life, giving us pictures so that we can embrace and understand what it means to follow Christ. And there's one of these pictures, one of these analogies, one of these metaphors that is so important to the scriptures and should be important to us. And it's right at the end of verse 27. Skip right ahead to these words. Have been clothed with Christ. That's such an ordinary, everyday way of talking about an incredible supernatural reality. 
When the Apostle Paul wants to bring big, high truths down, he does it like this. He relates the ultimate truth to something that we recognize on our daily lives, that we can take into our daily lives and think about our Christian lives in this way. And that's why he says, if you have been baptized with Christ, you are clothed with Christ. Now, every person in here, look around at the people next to you. Just glance around as appropriate as may or may not be to take a look at their clothing and evaluate their clothing just for a moment. You see around? Somebody just said, oh, great. Look around, and you'll notice that everyone is clothed, thankfully, right? Everyone is clothed. In my life, I've never seen someone in public not clothed. There's a good reason for that, right? One reason is that we're all clothed today. It is because of the fall. It's because the fall has has so changed us that there is something about being unclothed that is shameful to us. It has become uh, private and it needs to be covered. That's certainly true. But there's something else going on in our daily lives that even is happening today that has you clothed and in particular clothed the way you are clothed. If you look around, even look at your own clothes, you are clothed the way that you are for two big reasons. There's more than two, but there's two big reasons. One is because you're trying to fit in. You have a longing to fit in. And so for most of us, we take our cues from the people around us of how we should clothe ourselves. And it's because we want to fit in. We want to to match and blend in. Even though we're all wearing different things, we all are kind of a a part of this, this bigger picture of clothing. There's a second reason that we're clothed the way we are today, and that's because in the midst of fitting in, we're also trying to communicate something. We're making a statement. You are, whether you gave it very little thought today, or whether you gave it a lot of thought today when you got dressed, you were thinking a little bit about what message you're communicating. What do you want to appear or to present to people around you? Now, why am I talking so much about clothing? Because Paul is bringing a central truth of the Christian life down into the the reality of your wardrobe and the fact that you and I are clothed to help us understand better what it means to belong to Christ. What does it mean to be clothed with Christ? It means many things, but it means at least those two. To be clothed with Christ means that we are fitting in, that our lives have been metaphorically all fit in together into a tapestry, and we've been clothed as people who belong to him, who have come to look like him who have come to fit in with him and with his people. But also, God has clothed us in Christ because our metaphorical clothing and belonging to him, the righteousness that he has given to us, is also communicating to the world a message. Paul wants us to see not just a big Thanksgiving message or Christmas message, the big headliner message of the Christian life, but he's taking these truths of God's promise down into our daily lives. He is reminding us as he did them over and over again that belonging to Christ has everything to do 
with every moment that you are alive everywhere you live. That being clothed in Christ is not just part of who you are. It's not just who you are on Sunday or on Christmas morning or at the Christmas Eve service. It's not just who you are at a wedding or other big religious ceremonies. Being in Christ is who you are. It's what you are. It's how you're, quote, clothed every single day. It means that you belong to him. You are clothed with him. He has covered you, and he is delighted to do this. Look down at verse 4. We're going to take some of our text this morning and, and kind of pull it into these points where it helps us to better understand these truths. Verses 4 and 5, listen to the way Paul keeps kind of unpacking the way that the Christian life has come to his readers and to us. When the time came to completion, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. He keeps unpacking these big, rich truths in really ordinary kinds of ways. And here he does it again in verses 4 and 5. And, and these are the basic truths that we carry with us as Christians. We, we need to meditate on them every day. We need to, to, to feed on them in the daily routine of our normal spiritual menu of our lives. And so he reminds us, that all that God has done has been, has been working its way down through history. His redemptive plan has been unfolding to this ultimate moment of completion when Jesus Christ would come into the world to fulfill, those who were here last week, what we heard about in the covenant with Abraham, this covenant of promise to make Abraham into a great nation and to bless the whole world through him and his seed, who is Jesus, that then at the time of completion, Jesus came and he accomplished his redemptive work, but then he tells us again and again and again everything that that has to do with us. Now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna backtrack a little bit on some things that I used to preach and I used to say. Well-intentioned things that I would say on, on a regular basis about the Bible and the gospel. There was a time when I wanted so badly for everyone who was hearing me to exalt Jesus to the highest pinnacle that we possibly could, but to the detriment of our place in his kingdom, I exalted him and left out us because I would say things like, here's what you need to understand. The Bible, it's not about you. Or I would say, here's what you need to really understand. The gospel, it's not about you. It's about God. It's about what God has done. And absolutely, absolutely, in one sense, that's true, isn't it? But that's only part of the story. Because what's actually true, and I've come to see so much more clearly in my own life, is that it is about you. He has done this for you. He hasn't done this merely to say that he did it and then to fly away and leave us behind. He came and he did all that he's done to redeem us, to take us with him. And even beyond that, to clothe us with himself. To, as Paul says in verse 5, redeem us who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. 
This is where the big Christmas meal is coming down into daily life to remind us every day of who we are and what we are. Why is this so important? Why is this truth of Paul so important? It's because what we so greatly lacked to our condemnation, which was righteousness, that's our problem. Because of sin, we lack righteousness before a righteous God who has righteous expectations and commandments that are communicated to us through his law. We so greatly lacked what we so greatly needed And he in Christ has provided all of that in full. And he has clothed us. That's why this is so important. And that's why it's important that these truths find their way into my Monday and my Tuesday and my to-do list and my evening and my morning. Not just on Sunday, not just at Christmas, not just in the big moments of my life, I need this truth every single day as the reminder that because of grace, I am clothed with Christ himself. He's not far away. He's not off somewhere else, merely glorifying himself and, and, and keeping me out of it. Rather, he's glorifying him, himself and he's pulling me closer and closer and closer into it. I'm enjoying it and coming to know it more and more. That's the reality. That's the reality of the daily Christian life. Notice also, before we leave this verse and this truth, the very beginning, because we jumped to the end because we wanted to focus on what it means to be clothed with Christ, but notice what he says here. For those of you who were baptized into Christ, it's really exciting that at certain times of year, we we come time that God leads us to have a baptism service. We're going to be having those most likely at the end of this month. Really great opportunity to celebrate, but it's also a great opportunity for us to reflect, as Paul does here to reflect on what does it mean to belong to Christ? What does it mean to be clothed with him? Here's another one of those pictures, and it's the picture of baptism. You think about those that you have seen be baptized where they go into the water declaring, professing their faith in Christ, and they are are standing in the water first, and then they are dipped down under the water symbolizing their death, and then again their resurrection with Christ. It's a very similar picture to being clothed with Christ. That just as he lived and died and rose again, he has, because of his eternal purpose in calling us as his people from before the foundation of the world, he has made a decision to bring us into himself and to clothe us with himself so that we live and die and rise again with him. That is our daily reality. But that's the daily reality that we're often overlooking, we're often missing this wonderful picture. Well, at the end of this month, Lord willing, we're going to have an opportunity to really reflect on it in person again. And perhaps these truths will come home to us as they do day by day, more and more and more. But as we leave this verse and this truth about being clothed in Christ, here would be some basic application. This is going to sound very basic, and it honestly is aimed at anyone who is here or who is listening through the live stream who does not know Christ. You have not been, quote, baptized into Christ, which means to place your faith in him and to come to belong to him. That you haven't been clothed with him. And so, friend, if that's you, I want you to know, quite frankly, if you're not clothed with Christ, you are naked. 
You are naked before the God of the universe. You are undone. You are full of, full of shame before him, but you don't have to be because those who are baptized into Christ have been clothed with him. And we're grateful today that we have been. And therefore, for those of us who have been clothed with Christ, we need this truth on a daily basis. We need this reminder. I wonder if you might make a habit that when you get dressed in the morning, no matter how little or how much thought you give to your wardrobe, that you would give much thought to your spiritual wardrobe that it would be, as I think this is intended by Paul, to be a kind of reference point that when I do put on my clothes in the morning, I also think about the ultimate spiritual reality that I am clothed in another way. And that's why I have hope on Monday morning. That's why I can get up on Tuesday morning. That's why we can do all that we do on Wednesday. That's how we can lay our heads down at night on Thursday and Friday and Saturday because we know that we have been clothed with him and we belong to him forevermore. Here's the second truth that we need into our daily lives and it's connected to the first. Paul goes on in verse 28 and he shifts gears and and helps us to think about the incredible work or miracle of unity that Christ has given to us by clothing all of his individual people who he's called out by name. He has known them from before the foundations of the earth and at a time of his own choosing, called them with an effectual calling. He called your name and you came to him. He took you and made you to belong to him and clothed you with righteousness. And in so doing, he has made an entire family out of millions of individual people, all different kinds of people from all different kinds of backgrounds who speak all different kinds of languages, who have all different colors of skin, who have all different cultures and backgrounds. He's brought all of them together. It's another miracle of the daily gospel work that's happening in our lives and around the world. And we see it here. We are united in Christ because we have been clothed with Christ. I said earlier that our clothing causes us to fit in. Being clothed in Christ causes us to fit in. Have you thought about why it is that you fit in in our church? Do you ever think about that? I hope that you feel like you fit in. I think most people do feel like you fit in here. The reason that you fit in here is not because you like to ride motorcycles. The reason that you fit in here is not because you like to crochet or you like to cook or you come from a certain country or your skin looks a certain way or you speak a certain language. The reason that you fit in is because you're clothed with Christ and these are your family members. These are your brothers and sisters. That's why we fit in together. We fit in together because of Christ. Notice what he says in verse 28. There is no Jew or Greek. Notice each of these pairings are are groups of people that have distinctions. They are noticeably different than each other. There's no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, since you are all one in Christ Jesus. He has made through the gospel a perfect, ultimate unity among all of his people. No one else in the world can say that. No one else in the world can know that. 
because there's nothing else that can bring people together like Christ in his covenant of promise. Keep these truths together as much as you can in your heart and mind as we work through them. I know it's a lot to take in and it's a lot to work through a book of the Bible, but the more that we can do that, the more that we can understand the whole picture that he is painting for us. He's not just talking a little lessons about the law and the gospel, the covenant of promise, being clothed with Christ, being united with, it's all one thing that he's brought together. And he's helping us to understand what it means to be perfectly united together. We are a little bit, let's use a little more of kind of everyday language. What's he talking about? He's talking about something we typically refer to as a melting pot. You think about maybe countries or communities like ours where lots of different kinds of people have all come together and they have mixed in with each other and they have made, made it work. They have made this, this beautiful collection of people in a community. But without losing all of our individual differences and our personalities and our backgrounds and our cultures, Christ has brought all of that together in the most beautiful way to magnify his own glory and our gladness by making us into a family. Our union with Christ is what defines us and our union with Christ is what brings us together in such an amazing compilation of people. That's what we want every church to be. That's what heaven will be. Heaven will be this melting pot of all these different people all together around the same person who is Christ. But... Here's what we notice. You probably notice if you're listening carefully, you notice that this is not what we are experiencing. I said, Christ has brought us together in perfect unity. But that's not what we're experiencing. We don't have that in our church. We don't have that in any church. Because we're still wrestling. There's the ultimate reality of what Christ has done by giving us perfect unity. Just as the ultimate reality that we are clothed with him, we're seated with him. But even now, in the already but not yet, there's a struggle. My life sure doesn't always look like I'm clothed in Christ. My unity with other people doesn't always look like a perfect unity. It actually never looks like a perfect unity, not until the end. But nevertheless, Paul is bringing down into daily life the ultimate reality so that it will affect our our daily reality, so that it will give us some, some clear lines to walk down together and priorities to pursue in the here and now we are struggling. That's true of everything in our Christian lives. But what he's reminding us of is the big truths that are true of us in the gospel and what they have to do with everyday life. Notice the way that he's talking he keeps coming back over and over again. He is, he is fixated on unpacking what Jesus Christ has done for us and why it matters. Go back up to the beginning of chapter four, just looking at the first three verses. And we see him unpacking the truth more and more, which we heard actually last week as well. You, you know, if you, if you look at your Bible, like, and look at the way it's, it's ordered here in chapter 3 and 4. You see some headings and then you see the chapter references. 
you know, which have been put in by the, by the editors or translators of the Bible. So you see, what we saw last week was the purpose of the law. And we were thinking a lot about what does the law say to us and it brings us bad news so that the gospel brings us good news. But now you probably have a heading like mine that says sons and heirs. But you notice something interesting. It overlaps with, verse, with chapter 4. So there's clearly this line of thought that we're working on today from verse 27 in chapter 3 to verse 7 of chapter 4 because Paul is continuing to unpack these truths in one long string. But notice what he says in verse 1 of chapter 4. He says, Now I say that as long as the heir is a child, he differs in no way from a slave. He's thinking about a child who is an heir of a great promise. But as a child, the child is under authority. The child doesn't have access to all of that yet. In the same way that he refers to at his time, the life of a slave would have. Though he's the owner of everything, the child, he, he doesn't yet have all of it in his hands. Instead, he says in verse 2, he's under guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were in slavery under the elements of the world until, until Christ came. Do you see how the Apostle Paul constantly points everything back to the redemptive work of Jesus? He points everything back to the linchpin of history, and that's the, the living, dying, and rising again of Jesus for his people. Because this is the anchor point of everything in their lives. It's how they make sense of their lives. And for us, it's how we make sense of even this truth about our unity. We see over and over again that there is this outward big reality that's true. And there's a constant wrestling to see the, the inside daily reality come to match it. That's what progressive sanctification is. That's what it means to grow in Christ. That's what our spiritual growth is all about. And therefore, this is another basic daily truth or application that we should take away and bring into our lives. And it's simply this, whether it has to do with being united together as believers in a family or whether it has to do with being clothed in, with Christ in our daily lives, we must align our outward lives with what is true within us, with what Christ has done within us. We need to align our daily living with what is ultimately true. There's an ultimate reality about our clothing with Christ, perfectly, perfectly clothed, seated once and for all. We are united with a perfect unity. But what we need is to continue striving with God's help to see the here and now reflect more clearly the there and then. What will it be like ultimately in his kingdom one day? We are waiting for that moment. And until then, we are all moving forward, living in light of the ultimate reality. Do you see how this has to do with our daily lives? This is not a Thanksgiving dinner. It's not a Christmas lunch. This is daily nourishment. It's daily food. It's the daily, quote, work of following Christ to find ourselves day by day in the midst of these truths and striving to bring them in to the here and now. The final truth that we'll see this morning is that we receive the ultimate good news about our future and it trickles down into our daily lives. Not only are we clothed with Christ, not only are we united together in Christ, but I'm actually gonna make up a word for the third one because I can't find a good one. And I'm surprised it's not a word actually. 
And it is the word benefacted. You have been benefacted by Christ. You have become the beneficiary of an eternal promise and treasure. He has chosen the God of the universe who dwells in unapproachable light. He has chosen by his own sovereign will to make you, think about it for a minute, be humble about this, you, you, me, he has made us benefactors of his eternal inheritance. That's what he has done for us in Christ. Listen to this ultimate conclusion that Paul makes. This is his point. If you belong to Christ, all right, that's a big if, right? And I appreciate that because not everyone belongs to Christ. I'm not persuaded that, I don't know everyone in the room. I'm not persuaded that everyone in this room belongs to Christ. I don't have a way of knowing that. If, 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 and I hope that you do, if you belong to Christ, if you are clothed with him, you are united together with his people, you have become an extension of Abraham's seed, the people he has brought into his family by this covenant of promise. And what that means is, here's Paul's big truth, what that means is you are heirs according to the promise. You have right now in your possession or held for you a future reality that will be ultimately delivered to you, that will put all things in your life straight, that will make everything that you've wondered about in your life make sense, that will bring all of the hardship and all of the trouble and all of the struggle and all of the tears and all of the pain and all of the sin and all of it being sinned against. It will all come together in the end in a beautiful inheritance of grace and purpose and promise which has been his plan from eternity past. That's, wow, okay. So that's like Christmas lunch. That's Thanksgiving dinner. That's the big, that's the big truth. That's the pinnacle truth. But what we need is that truth to be a part of our daily lives. Notice what he says in verse 29, virtually what I just said. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. Heirs according to the promise. He's in essence reminding them, wanting it in their daily lives, of their hope and blessing that is not found in them. It's not found in us. It's actually found in him. It's found in a promise he made and ultimately a promise he made to his son in eternity past and a promise that trickled down as he unveiled his redemptive plan to Abraham in a covenant of promise and now to us as those who have been grafted in. We have been grafted in to become heirs of his mercy, of his grace, of his eternal promise. If you look back at, at Genesis chapter 12, where, where all of this finds its, its, its ultimate home in a promise to Abraham, 
what you find is that that promise that he was making to him is, is something actually that every single person longs for. What did he promise to Abraham? What did it mean that he would make him uh, the father of a great nation and that the whole world would be blessed through him? What did that mean? Well, it meant at least three things, more than three, but at least three. One, that he and his seed, all of his people, would have a forever home. They would all have a forever place to belong. This is what every person longs for. He promised that that, that they would have, that we would have a forever family, that we would all belong together as we've seen today, united into a family that is ultimately God's. And third, he promised in his covenant of promise a forever happiness, a home and a family and a happiness that would carry us into eternity and forevermore fully satisfied in him. This is a picture of every person's dream. I mean, anybody in here, you can take all of the things you've ever dreamed about and boil them down, and those are the three things that you've been trying to find. Those are the things that you find yourself wanting in daily life. And here they are in their ultimate fulfillment, fulfilled in the true and faithful older brother Christ. Because of God and his mercy, all worked in us and for us by his Holy Spirit. It is this heavenly dream and it is coming true for us. That ought to give us hope in daily life. It ought to focus us on what's most important in daily life. Notice what he says in verse six and seven before we come to a close. He says, and because you are sons, because you are sons, and you can, you can put in their daughters as well. Because you are sons and daughters, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. Boy, there's a daily truth we lose. That the spirit of his son is in our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. It's a, it's a delicate pleading for, for a father uh, that we would know him and that he would know us and we belong to him. And that's why he says in verse seven, so you are no longer a slave. Don't keep living under the slavery of the law but rather under the freedom of his grace and his mercy because you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son and if a daughter, then God has made you an heir of this incredible promise. We need, we really need, we need this reality to play more heavily in daily life. Because I'm an ordinary guy and that means I know, because I know me, I know you, you very seldom give thought to this. I very seldom give real thought to it, like in daily life. Like, yeah, those big moments and those big ceremonies in church and stuff. Yeah, we think about it then. But in daily life, when you're really struggling or you're really tempted or you're really suffering, bodily or spiritually, whatever the case we need this truth infused in us. Not, not to puff us up. That's where it can go wrong. You know, we're not puffing ourselves up that we're heirs and we're privileged above everybody else because God is, you know, he hasn't saved us because of any of that. He saved us by grace alone, but rather this truth, rather than puffing us up, settles us down. It will settle us down in daily life. We have so many reasons 
We have so, you have so many reasons to be afraid. You have so many reasons to be worried. You have so many and good reasons to be angry. But you have bigger and more reasons not to. One enormous reason is because we are sons and daughters of God in Christ through this incredible promise. And what I'm pleading for is I'm pleading for all of us, myself included, to make this more central to our daily walk with him, to make it more of the driving fuel of what it means for us to be Christians day in and day out in all that God has given us to do. As a final application, I want to challenge you to do this with me. I want you to spend some time this week, actually. This is a little different kind of application. I want you to spend some time thinking this week about how you would live in daily life if you had an earthly inheritance. Most of us probably don't. Some of you might. You might know this better. But if you had a real earthly inheritance, I'm talking a lot like $100 million. What would it do to your daily life? How would you live in relation to the person who left it to you? How would it change the way that you, you live your life in honor of that person or in the enjoy, <clears throat> enjoyment of that inheritance? I think if we can get like Paul does and he talks about daily stuff like being clothed with Christ, Using baptism, physical baptism as a picture of our spiritual reality. Maybe there's another one there. Maybe we could think a little this week about how would I live? How would I talk about the person who left this, this treasure to me? How would I live for him or her? And then pull that in to our spiritual reality. That we would live more for Christ that way. Think more about him that way. We need God's help. And so when we need God's help, we need to pray. We're going to do that now. I want to invite you to stand with me as you're able now so that we can pray together and uh, prepare our hearts to sing yet again at the end of our service. And this is a time when if you want to come to Christ, you should absolutely come find a pastor at the, at the back of the sanctuary. If you want to talk more this week, we can set up a time to talk more and think more about what it means to be a Christian. But for the rest of us, this is a time for us to reflect upon these truths, and to ask God to make them more a part of our daily life. It's going to be small steps this week, so let's take some small steps if we can't take the big ones. Father, please help us this week. We thank you for the way your word is living and active um, in, a, in a big spiritual sense, but also living and active because it is infused into our daily life. We pray that you'd help us. Help us to think about the truth, what we know is true in heaven, and that it would be that way on earth. We pray that you would remind us of the clothing that you have given to us, those of us who are, have been baptized into you, we belong to you. And we pray that you would remind us of the unity that we have and why we have it, and that we would pursue even more of it. And we pray, God, that you would also, along the way, continue to help us to recognize the incredible inheritance you've given to us, that we are heirs, we're so forgetful, we are forgetful heirs, but we need... So we need your reminder. Please help us to get a grip on what you have done for us, a better grip so that we can, we can trust you and love you and know you and glorify you more. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Yeah.